What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of your favorite Kansas State government and politics podcast, Chillin' in the State House. I'm one half of your State House team at the Topeka Capital Journal. I'm Andrew Ball, joined by my compatriot Jason Tidd. Jason, how are you doing, sir? Doing well. Glad it's a Friday, Andrew. It's been a week, I think it's safe to say. A week of a lot of COVID news. Yes. Well, you know, it's not the news we really want to be talking about on the podcast, but I guess it has given us plenty to discuss the pandemic raging as much as ever. In fact, I think we're we're kind of starting to get back towards the November, December 2020 levels. Certainly in terms of staff burnout in the hospitals, because we are seeing hospitals filling up rapidly across the state. Uh, in Topeka, Stormont Vale sounded the alarm earlier this week. And thinking of hospitals getting back to where they were in, in the fall, it looks like schools are starting to get or trend toward where they were. Yeah, the, the 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 trend lines are not great. And we got news late last night that the, the first school district in Kansas kind of has had to close down because of an outbreak. We've seen this a bit in the South, uh, which is getting hit harder even than Kansas is at the moment. But uh, Wellington School District, Unified School District, 335? 353. 353. In Sumner County, uh, about 45 minutes to an hour south of Wichita. So uh, perhaps an unlikely first case study in this. Jason, why don't you talk us through a little bit of what's going on down in Wellington? So uh, in Wellington, they have had at least 40 positive cases of COVID within the first eight days of class. That's not what we're looking for. Yeah, and <laughs> I think it's safe to say th- there will probably be more cases out of these outbreaks. So in Wellington, they have six school buildings: one high school, one middle school, four elementary schools. Both the high school and the middle school have been deemed outbreaks, and one of the elementary schools has. Uh, so half of your school buildings in town are officially outbreaks according to the sumner county health department and the school superintendent said in in a public letter today that the expectation was because you have a lot of students from the same families from the same neighborhoods the expectation was this was probably going to hit the rest of the schools very soon anyway and the trend lines were going in the wrong direction so they figured We'll just shut things down for a week, come back after Labor Day, and hopefully the virus will have run its course. I'm not a public health official, so I don't know if that is an optimistic view of the situation. But yes, they don't plan to come back until September 7th. And during that time, there's going to be no online learning, no in-person learning, no in-person athletics. So uh, not an ideal situation if you are a parent or student in the Wellington School District. Well, and and you mentioned the remote learning piece, and this is something that obviously was debated ad nauseum over the last 18 months. Um, Where this starts to kind of migrate into our little neck of the woods here in the Statehouse is 
the legislature approved as part of a broader funding bill for Kansas schools, a piece that I think at the time people kind of overlooked because there was a hope, maybe wishful thinking at the time that the pandemic was on the downhill slide. And the provision is basically that if you want to have more than 40 hours of remote instruction, it's worth noting that Wellington, had they gone online learning, would have been right at that 40-hour benchmark. If you have more than that 40 hours of remote learning, you will run the risk of losing funding. And that's because the state will say, well, you're going online for most of the time. We're going to fund your students at the level and statute that is outlined for online students, which is about half of what the normal per pupil funding amount is. So that could be a pretty big budget cut. And obviously schools don't want to do that. What they can do is they can appeal to the State Board of Education for a waiver for up to 240 hours of remote instruction. And uh, the problem, however, though, is there's some uncertainty. I was talking to the, the chairman of the State Board of Education, Jim Porter, today, and he says it's not clear that the pandemic is a good enough reason for them to approve a waiver. They're going to have to go huddle with their lawyers because this is state government and everyone has lawyers to figure out what they can and can't do. Now, he says he's sympathetic, and, and if it's within their purview, he's, he, he thinks that they will be amenable to approving these waivers going forward. But it's it's boxed school districts in more than they were last year, for sure. It's not quite fair to say that school districts cannot go remote at all. It's just we haven't really tested these new provisions in state law yet, so some intrigue there as well that I don't know that anyone was really uh, back in back when this was passed in May was really anticipating. Yeah, Wellington is kind of going to be a case study for any other school districts in the state that could become outbreak locations, and we know that there are seven active school clusters in the state as of Wednesday. So there could be additional school districts joining Wellington in this situation, but Wellington is not doing the online learning route. So uh, there might not be the level of clarity that school administrators would be wanting at this point. Well, and Jason, I'm curious, so how are schools really even figuring out how many cases they have? Is there some sort of testing regimen uh, that that places are using to, to try and identify these cases? So the... That wasn't a leading question yeah, at all. Yeah. So, so the Department of Health and Environment uh, is administering something like $87 million worth of grant funding from the federal government in COVID aid to help school districts test for COVID. Uh, but most school districts in the state aren't taking advantage of that. About 20% of all school districts in Kansas are currently using the KDHE testing protocol. We should say including Wellington. And I, we, we think that's yeah, in part yeah. how they were able to uncover so many of these cases. Yeah. Yes. We, we have not spoken directly with the Wellington superintendent. He is understandably busy right now. Uh, he, was but, in a, he was in a meeting when I called earlier, yes. <laughs> as you can imagine. But the district's operating plan says that they follow the KDHE Stay to Learn testing guidelines. That's one of the three uh, testing protocols. And it's designed to let fully vaccinated students 
stay in school as long as they're asymptomatic. And the uh, the other close contacts are supposed to take rapid tests every day. And as long as they take stay negative, they get to stay in class. But as of yesterday, they were testing 200 students on Thursday. And how many students are there in Wellington? Uh, about 1,463 was, I think, their enrollment as of a year ago. And this is a district that is actually testing. You said that most are not. What's that about? Uh, so the Vaccine Equity Task Force from the governor had a meeting on Wednesday. Uh, one of their experts talked about this testing protocol and I uh, don't have the numbers right in front of me, but 20% of districts are following one of the guidelines from the state health department. I think it was 26% have proposed how they would use the funding to test, but have not yet gotten approval to do it. And then about 21% have expressed some form of interest, but have not applied for grant funding. So we're about two-thirds of the schools that got the money, want to get the money, had fleeting thoughts about getting the money. Mm -hmm. The other third, radio silence? So 13% of districts have said they are not interested in using this testing protocol. And then another 20% of districts have not responded to the inquiries from state public health officials. So a, a third of districts do not see interested in regular testing of their students and staff. Well, and I think it's worth pointing out, even some districts that have tried the testing uh, uh, protocols, uh, I think Mays was one that stood out to me. They tried it for a couple of days, but then had to had to basically fold up their tent and go home because the school nurse was spending like 90% of their working hours administering tests because they were getting so many people who were being exposed and you know, at the end, they said at the end of the day, it just it wasn't worth the, the the time investment was just so massive, more than they imagined. And you know, I I think some of the pushback I think we've heard from districts that have not availed themselves of the money is them basically saying, you know, we're not a healthcare provider, we're a school, and if you want to get a test, there are places in the community to do that, but we're just not able to 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 support that in in. It'll be kind of an interesting dynamic so far uh, going forward as, as case counts climb. And, and I, I think part of the reason why the testing protocol is making them so busy is because there are so many positives and so many close contacts, and not all school districts are masking, so that changes the quarantine guidelines relating to masking and the testing guidelines. Uh, so the these protocols might have been written with the intent that we wouldn't be triple the federal red zone threshold for COVID cases. Is that bad? I I would say that's bad. I, I, I think you can objectively say triple the red zone threshold is bad. Um, well, in, in, I'm curious. We were talking earlier today. I mean, the vaccine is not available if you are lower, if you are age 12 and below. So, some areas have put masking requirements in place for that age group, saying that they're not able to, you know, they're not protected. There's no way for them to be protected. For older students, though, 
how are we doing on vaccination rates? Because that option is available. And I mean, part of the logic for not masking was you know, these kids can have the shots if, if they so choose. So, or the parents uh, so choose. So a couple numbers from the White House task force. These numbers were released today. Uh, statewide, all ages, entire population, the vaccination rate is 47.7%. For the 12 to 17 age group, that drops to 32%. Sumner County, though, is even worse. Uh, they have 33.6% uh, of their entire population fully vaccinated. Of their 12 to 17, the school age population that is eligible to get the vaccine, the vaccination rate is 13%. Not probably helping matters. And their counties aren't even worse, right? Uh, definitely. Uh, I, for the 12 to 17 age group specifically, I believe it was Johnson County was the best with about with more than 50% of those 12 to 17 fully vaccinated. The worst was, I believe, Decatur County with 2.8%. Which, if you're listening and can find Decatur County on a map, uh, I think you should win some sort of chilling in the state house prize. Um. So where where do you think we go from here? I mean, the consensus seems to be this is not going to be the last school outbreak that we have, but it seems like there's you know, people want kids in school. Something's got to give eventually, right? You would think so. Uh, I, I'm not sure what the answer is. Uh, we'll see if Wellington closing down for 10 days will be enough to get their outbreaks under control. But if case rates stay high there, what's to stop another outbreak from happening once they return to class? And uh, some would say you should mask up. Uh, Wellington d does not require masks. And not all school districts do. The governor this year has not implemented a statewide mask mandate. And she can't. Right. It, that, that state legislators gave that power to local officials, and some local officials are choosing to use that power. Some are not. Well, we should say, though, KSD and the governor's office did recommend mask mandates, right? Yes. KSDE, the governor... Uh, KDHE, American Academy of Pediatrics, the Kansas chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, several doctors, the chief medical officer of the University of Kansas Health System, uh, the Kansas COVID work group for kids, just about any group of pediatrics, of pediatricians or infectious disease specialists are recommending universal masking in schools to protect the children and hmm. keep them in classrooms. An interesting dynamic, to say the least. And we should say, because you mentioned the ability of local officials to make decisions about COVID-19 uh, mitigation, I think it's time to go back to our good old friend, Senate Bill 40. We should have like music every time we talk about Senate Bill 40 and then like pyrotechnics that... like. 
I, I, laser light show I, kind we, of thing. We, we should have a poll of what kind of music would you want as the theme music for Senate Bill 40? Should it be like a Beethoven's Fifth or uh, like... I think uh, French house music kind of uh, got some electric... Listeners out there to our like 55 listeners, uh, if, if you have strong opinions on uh, potential music, SB40 music, pass them along. But in the meantime, uh, we, we got some SB, big SB40 related news this week. The Supreme Court has kind well, they haven't weighed in yet, but they are paving the way to wave in. And, and if, you're, if you're at home uh, or tuning in wondering what, what the hell is SB40, that is a pretty comprehensive set of reforms to the state's emergency management law that were passed earlier this year. They are aimed squarely at the powers, not just of Governor Laura Kelly and the State Department of Health and Environment, but also at county commissions, uh, school boards, community colleges, you name it, they're, they're probably covered in here and giving citizens the power to challenge COVID-19 related orders with which they disagree. And that has morphed into a legal challenge that has kind of taken on a life of its own. SB 40 was briefly struck down by a Johnson County judge. It was then uh, uh, the, the attorney general appealed to the Supreme Court, as Jason mentioned. He asked the Johnson County judge to, to kind of press pause on his decision until we could get a fuller ruling. The Joko judge said, nah, nah, I'm not going to do it. But earlier this week, the, the Kansas Supreme Court said, hold on, we need to slow everything down. You're using way more words than you, than what they used. That, yeah, it was. A, <laughs> was it a one word or a two word? It, it said so grant. It basically said that the motion from the attorney general was so granted, signed by the chief justice. That was it. But what it means is the ruling striking down SB 40 is paused, which means that citizens again have the power to challenge COVID-19 mitigation tactics put in place by counties. And this is where it gets confusing, folks, so bear with me. They can challenge county orders, so a mask mandate by Johnson County, Wyandotte County, Douglas County, Douglas County. Those are fair game, and if a citizen challenges those, there are very strict limits for when those kinds of things have to be taken up in the courts and dealt with under SB 40. Similar provisions were in place for school boards. That's actually how this whole thing started. There was a Shawnee Mission school district ruling that someone didn't like. It wound up in court. That's how we got this legal challenge to the law in the first place. But because Kansas is no longer under a COVID-19 emergency declaration, more official government bureaucracies, we won't get all into that here, but we're not under one anymore. Republicans ended it a couple months back. So what that means is some of the relevant provisions of the law uh, for school districts are no more. So if you are an, an angry parent out there in one of the dozens of districts which do have a mask mandate, you can avail yourself of other pro, uh, processes to make your voice heard, but you cannot do so under SB 40. Ooh, there's a lot going on there. 
M- many more words to explain it than uh, what the Supreme Court Chief Justice <laughs> used. Well, and and to be clear, this is not a final ruling on SB 40. That is yet to come. It will probably come in mid-September. Um, Mid-September is when the briefs are due from the Attorney General's office and from the school district. So probably stands to reason we'll get one maybe somewhere around uh, September 16th, I believe, is the deadline for that. So if you want to tune out all this SB40 jazz, you probably can until mid-September and, and come back in and, and still look real smart when when the, when the Supreme Court issues their ruling. So. so the timings of that SB40 puts on officials who issue mask mandates and on the justice system – uh, we, we could have complaints, complainants file SB 40 grievances and have the adjudications over with before the Supreme Court makes a final ruling on the constitutionality of SB 40. Absolutely. And I'm, to be honest, kind of surprised we haven't seen a challenge in Johnson County, uh, which has mandated masks, I believe, just in schools for I, um I, I for believe they did kids. for... Uh, was it two to two to twelve? Maybe for it, it was. I believe it was the younger age group that cannot be vaccinated. And Douglas County did this. Did a similar action. Wyandotte County actually has a more expansive mask mandate. Uh, if you have to wear one if you're indoors in in Wyandotte, I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen someone. And it's possible. I we should say that 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 has happened since I last looked. <laughs> um, <laughs> yesterday but uh it 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 has not happened as as far as i'm aware by the time this podcast hits the airwaves that could have all changed but um so it's that's definitely something to watch and the lawsuit as a whole definitely something to watch uh over at the topeka capital journal and definitely covid cases and especially covid cases at schools will be something to watch not an issue that is going away anytime soon, unfortunately. But you can stay abreast of all the pandemic-related news that your heart desires at cjonline.com, or you can buy a print copy at the Topeka Capital Journal, wherever fine newspapers are sold. Yes, the, the, the design of our front pages has been very impressive these past couple of weeks since I started here. I, are you saying that those two things are related? Yeah, I mean, Perhaps. <laughs> uh, I, I am not a page designer, have not designed a page in something like four years, so I cannot take credit for that. Uh, you should claim credit anyway. You, you cover politics. You have to get used to people claiming credit for things that, aren't, that they didn't do. And, and shifting blame when it is their fault. Oh, yes, absolutely. What do you think I'm going to do the next time a podcast goes south? Well, I, I don't know what you'll do, but I'll just be chilling in the back. <laughs> Jason, if, if people want to f- f- uh, find you on Twitter, chilling in the back, where can they do that at? At Jason underscore Tid. And that's T-I-D-D. Make sure you get that spelling right, folks. You do not want to miss Jason's Twitter account. And yours? I am at Andrew Ball, B-A-H-L. And if you want to follow the Cap Journal, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, where our fine photographer posts his work. Uh, Both places, we are at CJ Online. And like us on Facebook. Because you're probably on Facebook. Uh, It's Kansas, after all. 
And if you want to find the podcast, very important, we are wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, we are there. And, and if, where you can get the most chillin' in the state house podcast available, cjonline.com. Yes, we all, if you're lazy, we, we post it every time it goes up uh, on our website, so you can be sure to check it out there. Jason, I think it's time that we uh, take, take a bit of a break from all this COVID news. Yes, it's very much looking forward to a weekend of staying at home, wearing a mask if I go out, and coming back Monday refreshed, ready to cover whatever whatever what, else what, happens what, whatever happens hope, hope i i hope for a peaceful week and less covid news but i i'm not very optimistic that that, that will be the case you and me both buddy but uh to all our listeners out there hope you have a great weekend hope you have a great week ahead and we will see you shortly have a good one y'all and stay safe <laughs>